0: Hello, welcome to Divinitas, I'm Father Marcus Holden and this is a podcast to explore ideas of faith, culture and life from a Catholic perspective. I hope you can tune in regularly. Welcome to our third episode of Divinitas. Today we've got a really exciting program all about poetry. We've got interviews with the poet, the bard, Sarah de Nordval. We've got Dr. Matthew Ward, a musician, talking about poetic quality of music and poetry in the family during this lockdown time. We've actually got a poem called Lockdown by Brother Richard Hendrick, whose poem has been literally viral, no pun intended, during this time. It's gone right around the world about uh, what can can really come about in a positive sense during this terrible um, trial that we're under and many other contributions. So please do stay tuned in to this episode of Divinitas, all about poetry. Hello, I'm joined on the line now by Sarah de Nordwall, who is a a theatre performer, a poet and poetry workshop leader. Hello, Sarah.
1: Hello, Father Marcus. Lovely to join you. Fantastic.
0: I'm glad you can be on this Divinitas podcast, which is all about poetry, which is your favourite thing.
1: It is indeed. Absolutely.
0: And can you tell us a little bit about your work in, in producing poetry?
1: Well, my enthusiasm for poetry um, comes from the inspiration of being uh, a bard in the ancient tradition, I like to think, of the 8th century in Ireland, where the bards were really tasked with being at the heart of the spiritual and political community. So they were quite ambitious kinds of poets. And I remember hearing that a bard was somebody who had to speak truth to the king without fear and had to entertain everyone from the peasant to the king. And I thought, What was most striking about that was that they were also worth the king's ransom. And I thought, wow, what would it be to be a Christian bard, as it were, poet and storyteller today, worth all the blood of Christ, as I'd once been told. So my ambition really was to turn all my kind of dramatic training and passion for writing into the desire to, you know, speak truth into Society through being a Christian, and when I discovered that there were bard schools as well in the old days, I thought, "Wow, I'd love to go to a bard school, but I'm about twelve hundred years too late. So <laughs> maybe I could set one up myself, you know, and uh, just encourage fellow artists to, um, you know, live out their charisma and calling to express their their hearts uh, through through the arts, basically, uh, and bring a bit of light and also a bit of healing to themselves because. As you know, you know, the artistic process being a, a gift of the faculty of the soul, you know, is, um, is something that gives us uh, nourishment as well as others.
0: And we find ourselves at this moment in lockdown and we, in mm. isolation. I don't know if this is a, are these are good conditions for the poet or not. I, I recall that some of the best poetry has been written in times of challenge and crisis mm-hmm. historically. Is, is it something that can help us today?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I remember hearing that St. John of the Cross had actually written his, you know, spiritual canticles at a time when he was in a dungeon, uh, had been incarcerated by his own brothers in religion during the, uh, you know, reform, the Carmelite reform, so that he was championing and that others were opposing. So, yes, indeed, it being in difficult circumstances can really give a motivation to the soul, like a little seed in the soil to reach up towards the light in a whole new way. And I think very soulful things are coming forth at this time, um, you know, prophetic things. And as we know, the whole idea of Christian retreat or being a hermit it is so that you um, discover that only one thing really matters and so I think yeah this is definitely a time when the Christian arts and all arts can flourish and really bless people.
0: Well I'm going to ask you shortly to give some tips on people who may want to do poetry during this time or make a start or develop their poetic gifts Mm. but you were also going to read us uh, a poem yourself maybe we could um, you could introduce that first and then we could talk about those practical things too.
1: Yes, absolutely. So um, the first thing I'd say is that when we write and we let our emotion, our imagination and our heart speak, we're not necessarily just writing from our heads and saying, you know, this is the way it is. This is theological truth or whatever. But something springs forth that is is important to us. And it's good to look at it carefully afterwards. So basically in the morning uh, when I do my morning prayer, I'll also uh, afterwards sit and... Uh, with a pen in my hand and w- what has been in, in my heart and uh, during my prayer time often comes forth but it's a very personal thing so a few days ago of course we had uh, the wonderful feast of the annunciation and we also were you know celebrating the rededication of um england as our lady's dowry which is a remarkable thing and the fact that we'd all then ended up in a dwelling like our lady had asked that uh, her holy house be built in Walsingham. And here we all were in a house, uh, each of us, uh, in in hopefully a holier house than we were before because of the strangeness of the times. So, this poem uh, just came forth on the eve of the Annunciation. And I gave it a little introduction that sounds a bit like the introduction to, um, you know, films as the way they structure them. So, shall I just read it through, Father Marcus? And wonderful. And tell yes, me what I... you think.
0: That would be wonderful. Great. I'm looking I'm, forward to And I'm
1: completely open to you saying, hmm, Sarah, that's not quite right. Or (laughs) what do you mean by that because I might not have the slightest idea that this is what came forth so no matter how hard the devil works God is always prepared three angels three homes one cosmic destiny what happens under one roof can change the world for the feast of the annunciation in a time of plague part one time begins again In the book I'm listening to, Narnia is coming to an end. The stars are falling in showers of light, and Aslan is preparing them for a new beginning. In the world I'm living in, the empty trains go by at the end of the line, but the birds are singing. The frosted grass gives way to a burst of diamonds as the spring sun rises. I have left aside with weariness all the things I cannot feel. I have placed my hands in the wet grass and relished with a gasp the cold awakening. The sky is empty of all but light, and we have returned to our dwellings, like the ancient Israelites, each to his own home, to await the passing over of the angel of death. I do not fear him. Our leaders speak of science. I will heed them. But a creature from the liminal world will not be defeated by social distancing. An invisible God has stamped his foot and the world has turned to look. Lady Macbeth can go mad with the hand sanitizer, but there'll always be something on her mind she cannot heal alone. In a house in Nazareth long ago, a girl was working at home. The smallest life imaginable but to her the angel came she was not unacquainted with the ways of heaven but this was a breaking through no one heard and no one knew but the devil turned to look her yes had placed her in his line of sight and now the war was on but god was sheltered by her loveliness and her heart of indomitable freedom Herself for him, and he for her, being made from her, she made by him. There never was such unity of purpose, life and will, existing in one place, a simple home. So I should never brush aside the purpose of my will, my hands, my home, my single resting place. For though the demons scheme and dynasties may command and sway, the girl from Nazareth and the God within can teach me to obey. For under foreign orders too, she went to register for tax at Bethlehem. And thus the will of God is done by orders of the ones who know precisely nothing of the life within. And yet salvation is begun and all planned long ago. And this war, won. So there
0: it is. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Thank yes, you. I love the ending, but as well, the, the, the fact it's won. It's a complete victory already. Um, yes. And it, it's uh, we're just sort of working things out now <laughs> in our yes. in our homes. Um, and and mm. I, I love the bit about how wonderful things can happen under a, under a roof. <laughs> mm.
1: Yes, under one roof.
0: Under okay. one roof, yes. It's... So you
1: got some hope out of it as well. And oh yes,
0: I like it very much, and
1: Good.
0: I like also the message of of not being afraid of the angel of death passing, mm. because I think a lot of people are bound <clears throat> at the moment by fears and anxieties
1: yes absolutely and though fear might be reasonable it isn't actually helpful and uh, uh, i hear i don't know if is true father marcus you can tell me if it is but i do hear that it says in the bible um do not be afraid 365 times one for every day of the i've year. never actually I'm...
0: counted them all but i've heard <laughs> no. i've heard this claim i take it on trust i do take it on yes. trust
1: <laughs> well, I think it's certainly true that I don't know if you experienced it too, but at the time of the Annunciation and the rededication, certainly in our house, we felt the most remarkable sense of, of peace and presence and capacity to just get on with things that we needed to do. And it just reminded me of how much of... Um, The work in the world that we look back on as important was done under times of oppression and and hardship and, you know, sometimes sheer terror. But actually, you know, like coal, oppressed by um, many much forces, this is is how diamonds are made. And, you know, this is why we don't need to be afraid on on one level. Obviously, it's terrifying for the 20 percent of people being hospitalized and then many people dying and also the sheer a weight of potential anxiety about the complete collapse of the economies, you know, even when the virus is, is uh, dealt with, you know, who knows if there'll be another one. They're already talking about another one called the Hunter virus and so on and so forth. But it is a time for us deepening our faith, isn't it? And everyone realising that we're all going to die one day and what are we doing about it, you know? So- yes, it
0: re- it really does. It's an opportunity. I think there are special graces during this period for us to focus on that one thing that matters, and uh, a lot of people are worried about the churches being closed, and rightly so. But and and they're saying that people might not come back, they might lose their faith during this time. But I don't think that will happen. I think I don't, I don't. Th- th- this is a call. This is a call to greater, uh, greater spirit and greater religiosity, and and I think many will respond. We might be quite surprised.
1: I think there'll be a hunger, a hunger for faith. You know, I think sometimes when you something important is taken away, I think soulfulness increases. I absolutely agree with you, Father Marcus. I think we'll see a great flourishing yeah, of, uh, of appreciation for what it was that's just been taken away. And, and as we know, of course, you know, the faith in Japan, when it was oppressed and there were no priests there for hundreds of years, the faith survived, you know, very well.
0: Yes, quite remarkable. <clears throat> and... um I, I, I was just wanting to ask you, mm. because the, the, the hearing poetry like this is, is inspiring, and many people listening may be inspired to take up the quill. And yes, I hope so. I, I wonder if you've got any tips or how they might follow it up, or is there any way they can link in to uh, other groups or, or to, in, in, uh, to help one another?
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, first thing to say is that um, the easiest tip in the world is that if you've got books of poetry at home and access to the Internet is to read aloud uh, good poetry to each other. You know, have a nice poetry party. And because when we experience beauty, it, it kindles beauty in us. That's the first thing I would say. I mean, my mother used to read poetry to me and my sister a lot from from the youngest age. So I was very blessed by that. So you do have to be fed by good things. And Then not to be afraid that you have to try and sort of emulate these great masters and so forth that are out there. um, But simply to get into a habit of responding to that which has touched and inspired you by in the simplest way. um, If you hear a line that's beautiful or is juicy or you can't quite understand it, just put it at the top of your page and write a reply to it. Just get into conversation, get into dialogue with a text that has awoken something in you. And at that moment, you don't need to worry yet about form or shape, because I have found that, as Maritain used to talk about the musical unconscious, there's a kind of inner music in our own personal, authentic reflection. So I would always begin just with authentic reflection and you know, when I sent that poem around to a few friends via WhatsApp, one of the first things I got back from friends who were used to coming to my workshops was, oh, this was the juicy line. Here's my poem that went with that. And especially lines that they didn't quite understand. And they wrote back wonderful things. So that's my first tip, Father Marcus, is whether you're taking something from a great classic, a, a beautiful um, prayer that you love or a poem you've just heard get into dialogue with it and you'll be amazed what comes forth
0: wonderful and um and in terms of supporting one another because people like to to share their poetry to read it to mm. um to have encouragement along along this road and particularly being isolated at the moment are there ways for people to to get together.
1: Well, absolutely. And in fact, um, I'm just about to set, move my Bard School online. And so all the uh, Bard Schools and events that I was going to have in the real world, uh, I'm, I'm going to be having online um, uh, using a medium called Learn Worlds. But um, I'm going to... So that will include workshops um, online using Zoom. Have you used Zoom, Father Marcus?
0: Yeah, Zoom's great. I, I, I'm fine. We're, we're, we're making... Huge steps in all these technologies in these last few weeks, because exactly. of,
1: absolutely. I
0: mean, it's going to leave a lasting legacy, I think, in our use of IT. Um, yes, yeah, certainly.
1: Well, what I would encourage is that if, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they are would like to come and join um, the workshops, um, the Bard School workshops on Zoom, just to send me an email to bardschool, that's B-A-R-D, school at gmail.com. Couldn't be simpler. And then I'll let you know when we're going to have the first one. And then at regular intervals, when we've had our lovely uh, Zoom uh, Bard School meetings, we're going to have some evenings and we're going to put those out on um crowdcast again which as to say father marcus i've only really <laughs> just discovered yes. and um and i went to, to um, uh, um oh i'll tell you about that in a second but um we're going to have some meetings called um when joy begins and we were, pl- were planning to do these anyway at Our Lady of Assumption, St. Gregory, uh, these Bard nights where we would literally have um, an evening of people sharing their creations, poetry, stories, and um, just to get people creating uh, together lovely culture. So those, the first one of those was going to be on April the 18th. And uh, the first Bard school itself um, uh, was going to take place on uh, April the... Now, is it April the 5th or 4th? The Saturday before Palm Sunday. So um, if people want to write straight away, we can we can get going with that. Um, uh, and then we were going to have them every six weeks. So that will be marvellous if people want to join in and they'll already be getting their work out into the world.
0: That sounds tremendous. And I love the title, When Joy Begins, Uh, Ah, Is that an inspiration from Share My Joy, the the waltzing message and and the
1: message of the Well, interestingly enough, um, there's just a beautiful elision there, because the reason why um, uh, Tom Wilcox and I uh, decided to call it um, When Joy Begins is because we were going to uh, have it on a Saturday night, which is, of course, the beginning of Sunday, and... Tom was always saying to me he said Sarah I used to love that beautiful Jewish prayer you used to say which um introduced us to the joy of entering into the place of rest that God has provided and the the prayer goes like this and I I learned it when I was out in uh, in Jerusalem and it goes like this it is already night when joy begins the sabbath is at hand and a beautifying surplus of soul visits our mortal bones and lingers on and that was such a beautiful uh, prayer and an encouragement for us to he said i just want us to be able to use our artistic work uh, in the bard school to help us all enter into sunday beautifully again and i said well that is a very good idea let's do that then and, and so that's what that's what we're going to do because we, I was so re-inspired about the Holy Day when I spent time amongst Orthodox Jews. I thought, gosh, this beautiful soulfulness that they're still living. I need to concentrate myself on living the Lord's Day better and drawing people into that place of real holy rest. Not just a day to recover from the week, but a day in which, as our Jewish brothers and sisters remind us, that God creates a very special and holy rest for us to enter into and... I think that the arts should be a way of, because culte and culture, as the French say, are connected, worship and culture, that if we can enter into that rhythm of liturgical rest and have the arts lead us there, then the moon really be celebrating the festival that they were, you know, invented to celebrate, if you see what I mean.
0: Yes, it's uh, beautiful. And I, um, just, I think there's a good note to, 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 fo- uh, to end on because our time is is drawing to a close, but what what one uh, one final one final question is there is there anything you you want to say to people regarding uh, the poetry to encourage them during this time? One final. Well, um,
1: um, thanks for asking, Father Marcus. Because of course, yes, I would be very delighted. Uh, the difficulties of this time is that as artists everywhere, um, many of us have. <clears throat> completely uh, lost our income you know all our events pretty much are canceled so I'd be delighted if people wanted to um, uh, listen to my audiobook or or buy it um, I have a, a book out there called uh, 50 poems for my 50th a beginner's guide to opening the world with words and you can get it on Amazon uh, in audible form uh, or in book form. Uh, remember to clean anything that comes through your front door before you use it, just to, to warn you. Um, so yes, I'd be delighted if people wanted to do that. I've also got a CD, Lipstick as a Spiritual Experience, which they can listen to for free on Bandcamp, bandcamp.com. Just put my name, Sarah de Nordwall, in the search box. And of course, I just really encourage people to use a bit of extra time they might have to... You know, dive into any poetry that they they've ever loved as children, and and really just uh, enjoy themselves uh, together as a family. Because you know, these simple lives we've entered into now can in fact be incredibly rich and beautiful.
0: Thank you very much. Thank Thank you, you, Sarah. Sarah, do god bless you and let's look up uh, the bard bard at school gmail.com dot com at gmail.com we'll do on that
1: Zoom. fantastic let's begin when joy begins
0: wonderful thank you, thank you. Brother Richard Hendrick, um, Capuchin Friar from Ireland, has written a poem about lockdown for this time. And I'm delighted to be able to uh, have this poem read by him on our podcast. This poem has gone viral during these days uh, since the the coronavirus outbreak. And many people have gained strength from this poem. So uh, listen to Brother Richard Hendrick.
2: lockdown. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and grey and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighbourhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen. Behind the factory noises of your panic, the birds are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming. And we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul And though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing.
0: I'm very grateful uh, to have received... um, a poem called The Covid Chronicle by Daniel Doley, and I'm going to play that for you now.
3: I have been washing my hands, obediently, again and again. I have made them burn with the unsparing application of soap and water. In two weeks they have aged decades, But what have they done? Lady Macbeth had the memory of blood on hers. But I must scrub and scrub to remove the taint of crimes I haven't yet even intended to commit, otherwise I might be complicit in the death of who knows how many people. We stopped shaking hands a long time ago, three weeks in fact, and that has become a long time now. Now we stand on opposite sides of the street to talk to one another, in case one or other of us contaminates the air. Some of my friendships have begun to fray and crack under the weight of this preemptive guilt. But the more distant ones, the friends who are already far away, some of them have grown closer, The distance between us has become a comfort. We are safe from one another. We can talk without the constant vigil to catch a cough or sneeze or to stifle the breath before it can practice its treachery. Faces and voices are blurred by the technology which stands between us, but the elaborate airlock is reassuring. And we are compensated with a strange, attenuated facsimile of nearness. The Internet has surged like a floodwater to the threshold of our homes. We are glad of it for now, glad to accept the deprivation of flesh and blood. But when the emergency is over, will we remember how much we have forfeited? Will we bother to pump the water out again, and to return to dry land? To the touch, the kiss, the warm, unguarded breath, the companionable laxity of hygiene which is the privilege of lovers and friends. And for all its sophistication, what an inadequate protection our technology has proved to be. Centuries of medical advancement have vanished within weeks. We are back to quarantines. We are back to leaving onions in the corners of rooms. A plague walks in the streets again, and our mortality has been exposed like an old medieval ossuary disinterred by an earthquake. While we wait in hope for technology to be able to save us again, we are thrown back upon the old ways of our ancestors. We are measuring our lives in days and learning how to pray.
0: That's Daniel Doley, the Covid Chronicle. And I appreciate all those who have sent in poems for us to hear or to be read. I'm sorry we can't put them all on. It shows how much interest there is in this genre of poetry, especially at this time. And maybe we'll have another episode De- just dedicated that once again after easter but thank you to you all and um thank you to daniel doley hello i've got uh, matthew ward on the line who's a uh, musician director of music at mayfield school and i would like to s- chat with you matthew about uh, poetry because i know you've got a particular interest in, in in this and particularly in this time of the hello, coronavirus uh, good welcome good morning
4: father uh, how, how are you oh, and your family in this badly. time? Um, actually, uh, my wife and uh, our two uh, little children, uh, we seem to be managing okay. Um, although my wife is uh, due to give birth uh, to our third uh, in a couple of weeks, which will um, is obviously proving a little bit uh, uh, nerve-wracking. So your prayers and uh, the prayers of your listeners would be greatly appreciated.
0: Certainly, absolutely. Uh, on this programme today, we've been Uh, talking about poetry. We've heard quite a few poems. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about poetry uh, with you in this time. And do you have particular thoughts Um, on this?
4: Well, I mean, one of the things that uh, we've been doing uh, with our children is reading a poem every night uh, with them before bed as part of the routine, um, which I think is always a nice thing to do, as well as normal kind of fairy tales and things like that. Um, And the poems we've been particularly reading have been kind of nature poems as well, which I think is an important thing, especially uh, for people we are very fortunate who are to be in the countryside um, and surrounded by nature. But for many people who are uh, trapped in cities, maybe locked down in cities, um, not having that contact with nature um, can be very difficult. And of course, a lot of great poetry um, is connected to nature. Um, I think of the other night, uh, our poem for the evening was um, uh, William Wordsworth's "Daffodils," um, and of course, in that in that poem, he mm. talks about mm-hmm. how, when he's lying on his couch um, in vacant and pensive mood, how the thought of the daffodils um, cheers him up and brings him more than he could ever have have uh, expected when he first saw them. So, poetry can remind us of. Of nature and recall those beautiful things that we've seen that maybe we can't enjoy firsthand at present. Yeah,
0: and one of my my favourite poet poets is Gerald Manley
4: Hopkins, and he wrote a lot about nature and and that connection between nature and absolutely our faith yes, as well. and I think that's that's something that we can also draw strength from is that connection with our faith, and I think especially as Holy Week is is drawing closer as well. Um one of the great difficulties, of course, is not being able to attend the mass um, and none of us will be able to attend the triduum except perhaps virtually um, we've been considering how to how to best celebrate the triduum in the family uh, uh, because it's a very different matter as i'm sure many of your listeners have found trying to attend mass virtually in your living room with small children when they're surrounded by their toys and their creature comforts they're much more easily distracted (laughs) and so the idea of doing of 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 tuning in to a a full length um uh, good friday afternoon service with two small children in the living room doesn't seem to be um a very uh good idea so we're trying to find other ways and one of those ways maybe through poetry and music and finding other ways of of approaching um, the, uh, the liturgy and meditating upon this time of course the sacred scriptures have a
0: lot of poetry in them as well and i'm uh, thinking of the psalms mm. at this time there are certainly psalms that connect with the passion of christ and these kind of these can be very helpful for
4: our prayer and meditation certainly uh, and singing the psalms as well I mean I think one of the things people have become very obsessed with really is is you know making sure that we're keeping up and with the mass and that's very important um, but I think people could also try to rediscover the divine office during this time um, you know to fa- get into a routine maybe of, of saying the morning and evening prayers um, and uh, and those great poems, the Psalms, which can be turned into songs, of course. Uh I know that um my own daughter, uh, who's five, very much enjoys joining in with a great canticle from Daniel, um, which has the refrain mm. Um Glory uh Praise the Glory to you forevermore, um, every uh in every in every verse. And yes. so that could be a great way of praying using the Psalms.
0: Yes. And it keeps that repetitive nature as well, which is can be very helpful for prayer, uh, and it's a part of, of poetry. Uh, the the litanies that we have uh, in the church, devotional liturgies and liturgical litanies, often have that quality as oh, well, Yes. repetitive quality. Yes, yes that well, recently very my poetic. wife and
4: I um, took part in the uh, reconsecration, preparations for the reconsecration of of England to Our Lady as the Dowry of Mary. And as part of that, we, we uh, undertook a course of... Thirty-three days meditations in advance, um, and the the version of that that we did involved a lot of litanies. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about them, um, and uh, so we've discovered the litany to the Holy Spirit, litany to um, uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and so the Holy Name of Jesus, which is a very ancient and uh, and well respected and well known litan- litany. Um, for myself, I've also been reading um, Saint John Henry Newman's litanies. Um, which he produced. He had a plan at one point of writing a litany for a for writing a series of litanies for the entire year um, and he only mm. completed, I think, five or six of them. So there's a litany from the beginning of Lent through to the third Sunday and then a litany from the third Sunday to Passion Sunday and then a litany from Passion Sunday to Easter Sunday and then he wrote one from Easter Sunday to the first of May. There are two litanies that he wrote for um, August, celebrating um, Our Lady's Assumption. And I think what's really interesting about litanies um, is that although not strictly poetry, um, they have many of the qualities of poetry. The idea of repetition, as you said, um, there's that kind of sense of beauty, but I think it's the sense of contemplation, I think, on meditation that's created by litanies. If prayed slowly, um, then what they can do is they present a series of images to us um which are quite beautiful um and if we think of the famous litany of loretto of course i remember learning that as a boy and all those wonderful names for our lady ark of the covenant house of gold vessel of singular vessel of devotion i remember when i was younger thinking what on earth is a singular vessel of devotion you know as as you often do when you when you hear poems (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, Tower and, of Ivory. And, and, yes, you know, of it's, course, but the more you yeah. get to know these litanies and the more meditatively and slowly and carefully you pray them, those images, which are poetic images, start to take shape. And in fact, um, St. Uh, John Henry Newman, as well as writing the litanies, he wrote a series of meditations upon the litany of Loretta for the um, entire month of May. So there's a, a meditation on each of those images um, so, if you've ever wondered what a singular vessel of diversion is, you can actually find out from from, uh, from our newest English sage, yes, John Henry. Newman. People forget how
0: poetic Newman was. He was a great musician. He he loved music. He continued to play his violin all through his life. But he always wrote poetry, and there are beautiful poems, faith poems of of Newman and his yes. famous dream of Gerontius, of course, and one. One of the things, one of the most poetic of the Stations of the Cross, which we're playing a lot of the Stations of the Cross at the moment, um, is uh, Newman's uh, version, and, and there's a very absolutely, uh, and because to them. he,
4: you know, the the saying "Heart speaks to heart" um, that was, of course, his motto, um, really sums up poetry to some degree, and sums up music, of course, as well. Both of which were his were, were great loves of his, um, and he was such a sensitive so you know i mean one gets the impression you know that when you were to speak with him as a friend there there really was this kind of almost unmediated communication from heart to heart uh, and those meditations that he's made uh, on the stations of the cross on the listening of loretto many of his poems um they really are very um they're communicative in a very deep way um his his poetry isn 't to everyone 's taste I think it's uh, uh, some of it has a rather unfashionable um, Victorian sentimentality about it, um, which I think is a, uh, you know probably one of the reasons why he 's not known as a as one of the great poets of the of the nineteenth century with the exception of the dream of Gerontius i think uh, of course, um, but some of them are affecting and some of them are touching, and of course um you know, there are some that have become hymns and the very greatest of them, things like Lead Kindly Light, of course, is a really powerful and great poem that has brought consolation to many um, and so could certainly be uh, some, something to turn to during this time, especially when, when people are, as it, as it were, in the dark and don't know where they're going. And it feels like we're on a, a voyage that we have no control over at the moment.
0: Yes, indeed. And one poem that's often added to the stations, which uh, Newman was very f- uh, familiar with, it was the poem from Giacopone da Todi, uh, The Stab Mater, Dolorosa, at the cross her station keeping, stood the mournful mother weeping. And uh, during this Holy Week, I know a lot of people will be mm. trying to enter into the Passion with Our Lady, through the eyes of Our Lady. And yes, this poem can uh, be
4: very helpful. In fact, I believe uh, our Holy Father, uh, Pope Francis, has has in just uh, uh, asked for the Christians to meditate upon Our Lady of solo- Sorrows and pray through her and to her uh, during this time of difficulty around the world and especially in the time of the Passion um, coming up. And yes, the stab at Martyr, well, of course, has been inspirational to many. Um, both in the context of diversion, as you mentioned, but also in musical contexts and s- several great settings of the Stabat Marta, um throughout the ages. Uh, of course, there's very early chant settings um, of it that we and settings that come out that we know very well uh, from our uh, growing up, um, but also uh, settings by great composers, such as, of course, Pergolesi is probably the most famous of the settings of the Stabat Mater. But um, Antonin Dvorak as well wrote a wonderful setting. Um, and then we also have, uh, mo- most recently, uh, the setting by uh, the uh, living composer Sir James Macmillan, of course, who's a, a wonderful um, composer and whose version of the Stabat Martyr was performed in the Sistine Chapel uh, not too long ago, I think 2016 or 17. And in fact, I would recommend people look that up wonderful. on YouTube because. Uh, uh, that performance in the Sistine Chapel was itself broadcast and recorded, and is available on uh, YouTube. His music is is uh, less um, easy on the ear at first than certainly than Pergolesi or Vorjak, but rewards the uh, the effort. I would say. Well, thank you. Some great advice
0: for people here, and um, we'll certainly get you on this show again, this podcast after uh would oh, be very glad so we can talk about music and lifting our souls so, but uh, i wish you and your family uh, every blessing for this holy week and God bless thank Father. you for, thank you it's been a coming on today Bye-bye. to read you something from uh, C.S. Lewis now. It's been doing the rounds during this time. Um, it's it's a, a reflection from uh, C.S. Lewis, the author of the Narnia stories, the great Christian apologist. He wrote this in 1942, and it's been appearing everywhere on social media. But It has this beautiful poetic quality, and it relates perfectly to the situation in which we find ourselves. Satan. I will cause anxiety fear and panic. I will shut down business, schools, places of worship and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. Jesus, I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. I'm delighted to be able to Invite Joan Fernandez to read her poem now. And she is with us um, on this podcast today. Uh, Thank you, Joan.
5: Fear reigns, not peace. Inquire and see the faces of men. Fear reigns, not peace. Inquire and see the faces of men. And on that day, a mighty day, there is no other who's called the Messiah. Let the trumpet sound with angels around. He conquered it for you and for me. Hear the pain with every heartbeat. There she goes, they whisper in the streets. Hear the pain with every heartbeat. There she goes, they whisper in the streets. And on that day, a mighty day, there is no one other who's called the Messiah. Let the trumpet sound with angels around. He conquered it for you and for me. See the blood burning through the trees. It's the fire running after me. See the blood burning through the trees. It's the fire running after me. Hear and rise and save, O Lord our God, your people, the remnant of Israel. Proclaim, give praise and hail. The Lord our God has saved us from what was meant to be. And on that day, a mighty day, there is no one other who's called the Messiah. Let the trumpet sound with angels around. He conquered it for you and for me.
0: Wonderful. I I like it very much, that one. And uh, I I think (laughs) it gives us lots of hope, uh, even in the the most challenging times. And for for, for some, this is really, really uh, a very hard time where, we're thinking and praying for all those who are sick or those who are afraid, those who have died. Uh, Any, anything you'd, any final advice you'd, you'd give to people in this time or uh, anything you'd like to say or to encourage them to, to write as you've written. Um,
5: For me, I think through everything, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel that light is always in us. And it's just for us to tap to, to yes. into it. Because nothing. Is, I, I think nothing is impossible if you just lean on God. And I know this time it's crazy because there's so many things that, that we thought that we were prepared for. But, you know, all our plans have been put on a pause. But sometimes God like sometimes we need to just stop and reflect on the goodness of God and our our life is always so fast paced and we always need everything in an instant but it's in the waiting it's it's in that waiting period that God is able to mold us and make us into who we're meant to be and sometimes our plans might not be in line with God that's why they say they say to write your plans in pencil and give up <laughs> the eraser because he's uh, he's up beyond our expectations, and
3: yeah, I like I, know. I like God that mysterious. image. <laughs> Wonderful! Yeah.
0: Thank you for being with us, uh, Joan, and um, and keep writing your poems uh, during this time. It's a, a good way to reflect upon it and to put prayer into something uh, so beautiful that which can help others too. Thank Thank you. God bless. Let's pray for one another. Joan Fernandez. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Divinitas today and for all the contributions people have made to this episode with poems and very special thanks to our guests. I'm going to leave you with a poetic reflection on going to Mass with one's guardian angel when one cannot be there oneself it's linked to the whole idea of spiritual communion it's from a book called saint michael and the angels 1983 tan books someone sent this to me and i thought it's a good way to end i hope you can continue to pray through this difficult time and have a very blessed holy week as you join us we'll be um, making a podcast at the weekend for the Easter Vigil, and uh, do tune in to us again. Thank you. Prayer for when you are unable to attend Mass. O holy angel at my side, go to the church for me, kneel in my place at Holy Mass, where I desire to be. Offertory in my stead, take all I am and own, and place it as a sacrifice upon the altar throne at holy consecration's bell adore with seraph's love my jesus hidden in the host come down from heaven above then pray for those i dearly love and those that cause me grief that Jesus' blood may cleanse all hearts and suffering souls relief and when the priest communion takes O oh bring my lord to me that his sweet heart may rest on mine and I his temple be. Pray that this sacrifice divine may mankind's sins efface. Then bring me Jesus' blessing home and pledge of every grace. Amen. Thank you for tuning into to Divinitas, and join us again next time. Uh, we'll be with you next week. God bless you and your family.